1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.
2: Well, here we go. Early in the second period, Rangers lead the Maple Leafs one, nothing tough start for Seattle against the Philadelphia Flyers. Three minutes into the second period. It is three, nothing for Philly coming up later tonight, the blues and the coyotes and at seven 30, it is Anaheim at Calgary. The ducks are here tomorrow night to take on your Edmonton Oilers. As the Oilers try to sweep their season opening three-game homestand. 5 30 for the face-off show here on 6 30 and the game will start at seven. Also, tonight, baseball playoffs getting underway in a couple of minutes. Game two between the Astros and the Red Sox. This one at Fenway, the best of seven is tied one one. And Monday night football starts at about quarter after the four and one Buffalo Bills will take on the three and two Tennessee titans thanks a lot for tuning in tonight my name is reed wilkins inside sports on 630 chet always happy to hear from you the hotline presented by certainty professional grade building materials 780-496-0063 you can follow me on twitter at reed wilkins r-e-i-d-w-i-l-k-i-n-s and you can email inside sports at 630 chad.com a lot to get to tonight a lot of storylines with the edmonton oilers as a couple of high event games to uh, get them to 2-0 the win in a shootout last wednesday over vancouver and then the victory in the battle of alberta another mcdavid hat trick against the flames the third of his career the 5-2 win on saturday night and uh, of course big news with the edmonton elks from over the weekend they have traded the former starting quarterback trevor harris to the Montreal Alouettes. And we'll uh, look at that in a little more detail as we move along tonight as well. All right, we'll start with the Oilers. They did not practice uh, yesterday back on the ice today. Devin Shore skated. In uh, the spot, we kind of expected that he might be, be, uh, if he had been healthy, to start the season between Brendan Perlini and Kyle Turris. So the fifth line today was Ryan McLeod with Colton Sevier and Tyler Benson. I would expect that the Oilers would activate Shore tomorrow in time for the game against the Ducks. So they would have to assign somebody, assuming everybody else is healthy, which they appeared to be today. They'd have to assign somebody to Bakersfield. Would not surprise me if that's Ryan McLeod, who can be sent to the minors uh, without having to clear waivers, but we'll see how that uh, actually plays out tomorrow as we move into that game against the Ducks. Of course, uh, the Battle of Alberta did get a little heated, especially that first period, by far the most intense uh, period of the three on Saturday night, and Kyler Yamamoto getting mixed up in things. Turned it over, McDavid to Yamamoto, quick shot, save Markstrom, and then the rebound tucked back underneath. And that was dangerous because Markstrom was engaged, and now we got a bit of a fight here. You
0: know, it's Battle of Alberta. Um, emotions are high. Um, you know, it's just a little scrum. Um, at, the, at the time, I didn't even know he headbutted me.
2: Yamamoto and Anderson going at it. And Anderson lands three quick right hands while Yamamoto is tied up with the linesman.
0: You know, it's just a heated battle. Um, you know, it's Battle of Alberta. Um, you know, I think emotions are going to run high. Um, you know, it's had, had hit my head, so um, there's not much you can really say about it.
2: All right. So, Kyler Yamamoto not saying too much about it. Now, here's what's happened. Rasmus Anderson has been fined $5,000 for roughing. The NHL did not, or the NHL Department of Player Safety, did not specifically list headbutting as the uh, reason for the fine they they put it as roughing. I know Rob and I were talking after the game, and it turned out there was some debate. Okay, what was it? A headbutt? Was this was his hand in there? What was going on? All right. Well, we can debate that. Uh, it was a pretty aggressive play, so he gets fined for that. I, I'm sure you're going to be uh, calling me and texting me tonight with some thoughts on that, and perhaps the Department of Player Safety in general, and should they come up with a new name for it? Maybe you can tell me that. It's too long to say anyway. Should it just be the NHL Department of Punishment? I don't know. Uh, anyway, that's we'll we'll talk about that as we move along. So Anderson got the $5,000 fine. Darnell Nurse was asked about the uh, Yamamoto incident today.
0: Uh, they were mixed up in the corner. Yeah, it was, I don't know. I, I'm not going to preach from some high ground. Like, I've never done anything dirty in my career, so... <laughs>
2: All right, so that's Daryl Nurse who uh isn't gonna weigh too heavily into that one or, or stoke any flames or or uh put down Rasmus Anderson. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting, right. I mean players um I guess sometimes they want a little leeway if they're gonna do something aggressive or cross the line. So they're not gonna Throw another guy under the bus or totally condemn him if uh, there was a suspendable or a finable offense in there as well. But uh, that's how Darnell Nurse replied to it. I, I thought it was an interesting game for Kyler Yamamoto the other night. I mean, he got involved in that. He he made a good play to to take the puck to the net and create the scrum and create a little bit of turmoil. And as we've seen, I mean, yes, he's a very smaller guy. Uh, he's, he's a small guy, and yes, that comes with its own challenges and limitations sometimes but he he doesn't play a uh, a fearful timid game he tries to get to those difficult areas of the ice and make plays most of them haven't been going in form for uh well most of last year and and i guess the the start of this year but you, you know he does get involved and he does irritate a little bit and, and he is able to stir things up I, I think one of the issues for yamamoto is that um he's found himself in the penalty box a fair bit as well he took two penalties in the game on saturday and last year he finished he played 52 games he played 52 of the order's 56 games he had 26 minutes in penalties so you know he's taken 13 minor penalties along the way which um you know jujar Kara had more penalty minutes but some of those uh would have been for a couple of fights Um, You know, Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl finished with 22 minutes each. McDavid finished with 20 minutes. Probably not, they'd be playing a little bit more than Yamamoto. So Yamamoto, definitely a dogged and tenacious player, but we've seen him being tenacious against opponents and then sometimes uh, winding up in the penalty box. So I asked him about trying to find that balance today. You know, the first one I should have never took. um, You know, that one's on me.
0: Second one. Um, he looked at it again. Um yeah, I was pretty heated after that one, but um, yeah, I did get him in the hands. So, um, you know, I thought it was a tough call, but um, you know, refs saw it differently.
2: Yeah. So Yamamoto halfway through the second period got a tripping penalty for tripping Dylan Dubé, and then early in the third, he got a hooking penalty uh, on Michael Backlund, and that's when the Flames scored their their second goal of the game, the power play goal by Lindholm, which briefly pulled them to to within a goal. So that's how he saw that. So I asked Dave Tippett the same question about Yamamoto getting these penalties.
3: I told him about a lesson an old coach taught me a long time ago because I was a penalty killer, and all he said was, Tip, you're a penalty killer, not a penalty taker. So when we get a penalty, I want you on the ice. If you're in the penalty box, you can't be on the ice. So. We're using him as penalty killing, so he shouldn't be taking penalties. First one the other night, his stick gets caught up in a guy's feet. The second one is not a good penalty to take. Can't put your stick in a guy's hands in the middle of the ice when you're down. The other team's down in a game, they're screaming every time somebody come close, just can't do it. And you can say it was a light call, but his his stick is in their hands, is in his hands, it's a call. And what I'd say to him is, if we were in that situation, and somebody did that to Connor, we're saying it should have been a penalty. It's a penalty. So he shouldn't be taking penalties. He has to play the same aggressive style, but he can't be taking a lot of minors.
2: Well, I, I like how Tippett puts that. You have to be a penalty killer, not a penalty taker. And I, I loved how he explained that as well, that he's explaining to Yamamoto, look, if if somebody did that to Connor McDavid with the stick and the gloves, our bench would be screaming for a penalty, especially if we're behind goal or goal a goal or two, and want a power play to get back in it. So to me, that's going to be another key for Yamamoto here as we move along. Is is that awareness of where his stick is, and, and I think he's so determined and and so persistent that sometimes he has to know, okay, wait a minute, I'm getting too close to the line here, especially with my stick. And and I don't want to put my team at a man disadvantage. And as Tippett referenced without Yamamoto on the ice, who is one of their penalty killers. He's been out there with Derek Ryan. Usually when they do go out for the PK, he's, he's an interesting player to watch. I I mean, look, we know he's, he's uh, one of the smallest guys in the league. If not the smallest, he's, he's listed at five foot eight, I don't think he is five foot eight because I'm pretty sure I'm five foot eight. And when I've interviewed Kyler Yamamoto, when we could interview guys standing next to them in person, uh, I'm definitely taller than Kyler Yamamoto. Um, he has that spot on the second line. And that was one I talked about throughout training camp. Could that be a position that is up for grabs that maybe Kyle Turris would get a rotation there or could Zach Cassian jump up there or somebody like that? The Oilers are winning. Um, you know, Cassian and tourists so far, I mean, I guess Cassian only played one game in the regular season, but you know, they have roles right now on lines three and four. We'll see where it goes with Yamamoto. I I've said, if he can be somewhere between the player he was last year and the previous year, th- that should be pretty good. He jumped into the NHL full time in 1920, had 26 points in 27 games. He had 11 goals, but get this, his shooting percentage, 25. He took 44 shots and scored on 11 of them. And then last year his his actual shooting percentage still wasn't that bad. He had eight goals on 69 shots. For 11.6%, that wouldn't be bad if Yamo shot 11.6%. Probably needs to get his shot off a little more. And uh, as we know, through the final, what was it, from February 15th until uh, the end of the season, so that was basically 40 games, he only scored four goals. Whereas he had four goals in the first 11 games of the season and looked like he was going to continue that pace. If he can be somewhere in between the, the red hot Yamamoto in 1920, that probably wasn't going to repeat himself and and who he was for the final three quarters of last season. I still think that's a pretty good player, but He's going to have to stay out of the penalty box and find a way to hit the score sheet a little more than he does playing with uh, Dugan Hopkins and Hyman. Assuming that's going to be the line for a while, I, I want to I want to play this from Rob Brown on overtime open line after the game on Saturday because he he had some very astute thoughts uh, about the Yamamoto penalties and about how Yamamoto is going to have to find a spot on the team.
1: You you can't take penalties like like he's taken. Uh, both of them were stick. In fractions. One got into the feet, one got into the hand uh, at inopportune times. But I, I don't question his work ethic at all. And actually his battles, uh, he doesn't lose a lot of battles. What, what you need, though, when you're – he's here because of what he can do offensively. That's why he was drafted in the first round. That's why he's playing in the top six and the production hasn't been there Uh, he had the great run when he got called up a couple years ago when they put him together with rnh and leon and and, you know was part of the reason that the Oilers' season turned around that year but it wasn't there last year the offense wasn't what it needed to be he's playing top six minutes and this year he's either going to play with rnh and hyman or when they split up the the two centermen the two greats he's going to be playing with leon and when you play with leon you got to produce and last year, he didn't. He was snake bitten at, time, at, at times. But he will be judged on putting the puck in the net. If you're a top six player, you ha- you have to do it. The Oilers really like the way they have their line set up right now. They love the Derek Ryan third line, what they can do. Their fourth line, they've been happy with. But to, for that to work, they've got to get production out of the right side. Poolyarvi's doing that. On his line, Yamamoto has to do it on his if he wants to stay in a top six uh, position. I I would imagine it would be 10, 15 games before they make any kind of decisions on it. But in those 10, 15, he eventually has to put the puck in the True.
2: All right, so that's Rob Brown from After the Game Saturday night on overtime. Open, I think he summed it up well. And of course, we're not panicking right now. It's two games into the season, and the Oilers won both of them. So they they weren't they're not crying out for uh, they weren't crying out for being a goal or two short in these two games. Uh, but I, I think that's fair. If you're going to be on the top six, you have to score at least sometimes. You can't go long, long gaps without ever putting points on the board. But we'll see how it goes. I'm happy to hear from you, of course. 780-496-0063 to call or text. We have a little bit from Darnell Nurse and Duncan Keith as we move along tonight as well. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Elks Radio, 630 chat.
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSC.
2: On Chet, 7 o'clock, the puck will drop at Rogers Place. Our coverage with the face-off show will commence at 5.30. Okay. Some of you writing in tonight on your smart cellular telephones. 780-496-0063. Benny. Says, hi, Reed. I often shake my head at decisions made by the NHL's Department of Player Safety. Whether it was a headbutt or not, Rasmus Anderson was striking Yamamoto in the head. Why is he doing that unless he's trying to injure his opponent? Should be an automatic one- or two-game suspension in my mind. That is from Benny, 7804960063. Yeah, I mean, that comes up sometimes, too, because now if you try to body-check somebody, and intentionally or not, you hit them in the head, and it doesn't have to be an elbow. It can be a shoulder. We saw it happen to Connor McDavid when was it now three or four years ago against the New York Islanders. It's an automatic two game suspension for a, a check to the head. and I, and I've heard that. I mean, Benny alludes to it in that text. I, I've heard it from other listeners along the way here. Well, if you're punching somebody in the head, whether you, if you have your glove on in a scrum, uh, you know, isn't that a headshot? Couldn't you give them a concussion? Yeah, fair point. Farmer Kevin says uh thank you for pointing out the problem with Yamamoto penalties this careless stick stuff has got to stop this goes back to taking careless stick penalties at crucial times in last year's playoffs uh, yeah i mean look i, I I I don't think anybody questions Yamamoto's effort. And and look, we're we're nitpicking a little bit here because you know the team is two and zero, so there's more positive than negative. But I I think we all want to see this player succeed and and be a true top six player. And to do that, he's going to have to be on the ice. And and I think it's just a matter of knowing when. Okay, I'm not I'm not going to get the guy. Like I just got to keep skating and keep my stick off off him and, and back check and try to get in position that way for sure. The Big L says, got a glimpse of how good Hyman was last season when the Leafs swept three games from the Oilers, but watching him so far in these first few games, it's really impressive how much tenacity and ability he has. He's like a more potent Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Only concern I have about him is injuries as a result of his high level of effort. Otherwise, well, what team wouldn't want him? That is from the Big L. Yeah, Hyman's been good so far. Talk more about him and Darnell Nurse when we get back after the news. Thanks for tuning in tonight. hear that little ad for the chucky show during inside sports is that on at other times during the day i I, I don't remember hearing it at other times during the day maybe i just don't notice it because i'm often in my car or or, you know out and about if i'm listening to chad do you know for sure kellen because i'm seriously wondering if this studio whoever makes the chucky show or Mm -hmm. child's play whatever it's called did they phone our station and did they say hey, uh, you got any really weird hosts we could uh, put this uh, murder doll show in? And they were like, oh, yeah, we'll put it in a Reach show. That'll fit perfectly with that show.
1: Uh Is from that what happened? From what I know, your assumptions would be correct.
2: <laughs> that's that's Kellen's insight into the uh, inner workings of what's happening <laughs> with the. Uh, that's that's just what I know. That's so, all. Yeah, like if you if you got a show about a possessed doll, we will advertise it during Inside Sports apparently. That's, <laughs> it appears that's that's the criteria. We are, we are the possessed doll show. Chucky was possessed, wasn't he? Wasn't that the premise? I, yeah, possessed. I believe so. He's basically yeah. possessed, more or less possessed. That actually, that would be a good show. That'd be good, a good title for a show. More or less possessed. Be like kind of a uh, a teen coming of age story. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Someday I'm actually going to write these shows or books and and then you'll say like yeah no he he talked about that that one night on his on his on his possessed doll show yeah all right here's what's going on in the nhl rangers and maple leafs are tied 1-1 late in the second period also late in the second period philly all over seattle it's 5 nothing Blues and Coyotes at 8 and at 7.30, Anaheim and Calgary. The Ducks are then here tomorrow to play your Edmonton Oilers, 5.30 for the faceoff show, and the game will start at 7. Then the Oilers hit the road, Arizona on Thursday, Vegas on Friday. Also from the NHL. This is pretty significant here. Evander Kane of the San Jose Sharks suspended 21 games without pay for and I'll just read this from the news release for an established violation of and lack of compliance with the NHL/NHLPA COVID-19 protocol. And there had been uh, reports that Kane had submitted a uh, forged proof of vaccination uh, to the league. The NHLPA put out this statement on behalf of Kane. And I'll just read this, it's not that long. Mm-hmm. Kane saying, I would like to apologize. To my teammates, the San Jose Sharks organization and all Sharks fans for violating the NHL COVID protocols, I made a mistake, one I sincerely regret and take responsibility for. During my suspension, I will continue to participate in counseling to help me make better decisions in the future. When my suspension is over, I plan to return to the ice with great effort, determination, and a love for the game of hockey. The, the NHL also announced today as part of the suspension that its concurrent investigation into allegations of Domestic abuse made against Kane by his estranged wife, Deanna, could not be substantiated. So a 21-game suspension for Evander Kane of the San Jose Sharks. Also uh, tonight, Buffalo, nine minutes into the first quarter, 3 nothing lead on Tennessee in Monday Night Football. Bottom of the second game three of the American League Championship Series. It is uh, Houston and Boston scoreless. Uh, Tony says, your demographic screams possessed doll fans. Thank you, Tony. Dino Bambino writes in. Hi, Reid. I just Googled the average NHL salary, and it is $2.5 million. If you use a figure of $75,000 for the average person in the regular world as his or her earnings then the equivalent of the $5,000 fine for the hockey player equals $150 for Joe Public. So that's about the equivalent of a minor speeding ticket, and we know how much that deters people from speeding again, LOL. Yes, well, I've certainly heard that before. Certainly heard that before, that uh, how much is $5,000 to uh, players who uh, most of them are making well over a million dollars. But uh, yes, I got you this texture says wow has Yamamoto been in the league for 101 years see okay I, I know I think I know why that because per- I referred to the 1920 season do I have to say the slash do I have to say the 19 slash 20 season I'm not referring to the uh the 1920 season of 101 years ago oh, I don't know maybe Yamamoto's like Benjamin Button he's ancient he's uh, aging backwards robin capilano who's uh, always a joy should get john gruden as a guest host he would give you the best chucky faces during the interview yeah we'd have to put that one we'd have to have a webcam for that one all right and uh robert says uh, hi reed I have some thoughts on the punishment that Anderson got or lacked thereof from the Saturday night incident involving Yamamoto. I think Anderson should have been suspended at least one game for that. Personally, I would have given him two games. I think the player safety department is rather inconsistent when it comes to handing out suspensions and fines because similar incidents lead to suspensions while some don't. I think the message needs to be more clear of what the punishment will be for similar infractions. Well, and I think that's a common thought as well with many hockey fans. They, they see something in one game and they hear the Department of Player Safety say, okay, that's a headshot or that's uh, going after a guy after the whistle or that's a check from behind or whatever. And then there appears to be something similar in another game and it doesn't match up and, and the NHL kind of seems to be focusing on something else uh, in the incident. I mean, Dylan Larkin got suspended a couple of days ago and, uh, you know, it appeared that he was reacting to what was a hit from behind from Matthew Joseph. And when I watched that video, I didn't see it live. I watched the the video after the fact when people were started talking about it, and then it led to the suspension. And when I first saw it, I was like, well, wait a minute. It, It appears to me Joseph committed the more severe infraction on the play as opposed to Dylan Larkin, and yet it was Larkin getting the suspension. I wouldn't want to be the guy handing out the suspensions because. Uh, they, they're they're always being told that they're wrong and and i i don't think it's an easy job but i also think look if you want to take stuff out of the game or really deter it then then actually suspend guys then, then actually and you know what what does rob brown say all the time he, he feels that it leans towards the advantage of the person who committed the foul as opposed to the person who was you know, the, the guy who was punched or the guy who was need or the guy who was checked from behind that, that he feels the NHL should be uh, doing more to stand up for the recipient of the infraction as opposed to the person who committed the the infraction. So, yeah, those are all fair comments for sure. Mark in St. Albert. How are things in St. Albert tonight, Mark? He says, my prediction for next year is that Yamamoto does not get signed and they use the money to pay for Puglia Well, interesting. Yeah. I mean, look, I want to see how it goes for Yamamoto this season. Again, I I hope is after 20 games into the season, he's settled into kind of a groove. We don't, we, I think we all knew he wasn't going to be almost a point a game. Like he was in 2019 slash 20, but I, I would hope he can score more and produce more than he did last year. And like I said, I referenced the shot percentage. His shot percentage last year was 11.6, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I think it's getting a few more shots off and uh, just finishing on a few more opportunities. I, I think that's the key for Yamamoto. 7804960063. Thanks a lot for the text tonight. All right want to uh touch on this as well. The Oilers through the two game and this is a, f- a fair concern. We had a question after the game on uh, on Saturday night. The shots against by uh, given up by the Edmonton Oilers, they were pretty badly outshot on uh, Saturday night, 47-33 in favor of the Flames. There were also a lot of shots in the games uh, in the game back on Wednesday night when they played the Vancouver Canucks, it wound up 38 shots uh for the Canucks and Mike Smith outstanding in both games so no problems there but uh, Dave Tippett was asked today about how he's just sort of felt about the five-on-five defending and the goals against.
3: Well, first of all in the in the goals against department I've seen excellent goaltending from Mike. We've given up more chances than I'd like to give up in each of the games. Uh, that being said there's a lot of like uh, there's 47 shots the other night. It wasn't a 47 shot game. Like there's, the chances were very even in the game, and uh, but that being said, there's every time a puck goes to your net, there's a chance bad things can happen. So there's some things that uh, there's some things we've got to do better, and we haven't been bad, but just there's some things that we can we can be better at. Coverage on our own end that's been wandering a little bit. And, not not getting engaged as much as I'd like to see, and we've addressed it, some of those things in the practice today and mm-hmm. in some videos. So it's uh, it's been all right, but not at the level we need to be. We need to keep, keep getting better.
2: All right, so Tippett said he didn't really feel like that was a 47 shot against game against the Calgary Flames, but of course sometimes just some pucks are, are going to get in. I, I think that's going to be an ongoing story with the Edmonton Oilers. They could be a high-event hockey team. They very well could be a high event hockey team. Is is that going to be an issue in the regular season? Probably not. Uh, probably not for the most part for them. We talk a lot about, well, how are they going to look in April and May if they get into that? Still a lot to be, to be played out for there, but... You know, obviously they want to cut down on the shots against Mike Smith will play tomorrow against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, no goaltending plan announced for the uh, two games on the road coming up later this week. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll talk a little bit about Darnell Nurse and all that ice time when we get back. Dry Settle, three assists on the uh, Saturday game against the Calgary Flames. McDavid had the uh, hat trick. Yes, he a goal and two assists as the Oilers won that 152-780-496-0063 is the certainty Hotline. Will has given us a ring tonight. Hello, Will. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, sir.
0: Hey, Will. How's it going, Reed?
2: Yeah, good, Will. What's on your mind?
0: Uh, I was just wondering about uh, Stuart Skinner. So, like, we have our goaltending tandem, right, Uh, but Smith he's getting on in time, but uh, is Skinner, are we developing him to be, like, maybe our future, you know, like, starter, so on and so forth?
2: well i think that's the hope Stuart skinner uh, is off to a good start in the american hockey league couple of games over the weekend he's going to play a lot with the condors he's going to be the number one guy down there again he looked very good in oilers preseason games and in camp i don't know if you're able to watch any of the preseason games but i I thought he played quite well um yeah yeah i I think definitely
0: preseason and i like skinner when i see him and Like, with goalies, you need time to develop and maturity, right, for them, like a quarterback or something, where they need to kind of mature into it.
2: (laughs) Well, I think so. And like like I said, he's going to play a lot. He's going to be the guy in the minors. And then I, I think if it goes well, I mean, why would you not look at him for maybe being on the Oilers next season? Koskinen's contract is going to be up. And Smith has a year remaining. So you're going to need at least one other goalie last year. Now, I don't know if Koskinen's going to be re signed. If he was, it certainly wouldn't be for what he's made. Koskinen right. or uh, Skinner turns, I'm just double checking his birthday. He turns 23. November 1st. So basically next year you're going to have a 24-year-old goaltender. I don't think that's unreasonable to think that he could be playing in the NHL even if he's Smith's backup or it's a one-on-one one A situation next year. I think that's totally within the realm of possibility. And uh, yeah, I mean it's only two games, Will, but his his save percentage on the weekend was 946 to start the season with yeah. Bakersfield.
0: <laughs> yeah, like that's nice and that's uh, as a big-time Willis fan, that's uh, nice thing almost makes me flush in the cheek
2: yeah well hopefully they're <laughs> developing some guys there like I said Ryan McLeod might wind up being sent down tomorrow and in some regards that'll be disappointing but in another way it shows that alright they don't have to bring young players along and, and force them into the lineup they can play in Bakersfield and come up when you know we use that word overripe a lot maybe that's going to be the situation thanks Will I appreciate it that is Will, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Yeah, I think Skinner's a good prospect. And, and like I said, I mean, you don't really consider him super young anymore. So he's turning 23 right away a month from now. Could he be, could it be he and Mike Smith? I, I You know, we're getting way ahead of your, ourselves. But yeah, I mean, he's he's being developed. Bakersfield played 31 games last year. not Not a full season, but he played most of them. And he was pretty good. Uh, I mean, he was pretty good. He wound up with a nine fourteen uh, save percentage in the AHL regular season. He helped them win the Pacific Division title in the mini playoffs they had after that. So definitely a developing goaltender for sure. Another storyline here for the Edmonton Oilers early in the season, Darnell Nurse playing a ton. How about this? Uh, through two games, 30 minutes and six seconds of ice time average for Darnell Nurse. He uh, commented on playing a lot
0: felt pretty fresh out there so that's a good sign uh, early on in the early on in the season and just, uh, just gotta keep that going. Have you learned to conserve your energy as a defenseman? I'd just be a little smarter with it. I mean I don't know if conserve is the word. I'm still trying to be active and try to kill plays and um, jump into plays when the, when the situation arises. It's just, uh, just being more aware of where I'm on the ice but I don't think conserve is really the word for it.
2: So just as, as a note here, the NHL started keeping the time on ice stat in 97-98. So a lot of seasons that it didn't exist, but we can go back 24 years. The Oiler who have played the most per game since they started it up in 97-98 was Chris Pronger. Probably no surprise to anybody there. In the 05-06 season, he played 28 minutes per game. Well, I'm rounding that up. He played 27.59 per game. Second and third most ice time for the Oilers is the same guy, Yanni Niedema. In 0203, and then in 0102, he played 2611 and 2549 respectively. Boris Mironov, remember him? Of course you do. In 9899, he uh, split the year between Edmonton and Chicago. He played 2540 per game. And then of a much more recent vintage, last year, Darnell Nurse played 25-38 per game. I, I would expect Nurse is going to be in the top five. He'll, he'll bump himself down out of the top five. I mean, I don't think he's going to necessarily play 28 minutes per game like Pronger did. I, I would think he'll be in the 26-27 minute range, though. That they're not going to have him up around 30 minutes, and and part of that was one of the games went to overtime. And don't forget, in the first game of the year, Duncan Keith wasn't available for about 10 minutes after he was uh, cut open off that check from Tyler Myers. Tyler Myers, but that's that's what we're looking at with Nurse. He's going to log at least since they started keeping the stats. So I mean, this doesn't include you know Paul Coffey and players like that on the back end, but he he's going to be one of the most. Used players in a single season uh, over the course of the next six months. Here, Dave Tippett on uh, Nurse's ice time. Well, he's an, he's a phenomenal athlete for starters. I mean, he's
3: he's engaged in the game. He's but I think I think you know players can get to the point where you play too many minutes. You, you don't play as hard as you need to. You get resting on the ice, and that's what we gotta. It's a long season. We gotta. We gotta, I'd like to see his minutes come down a little bit, and continue to have his energy in the game but we're, we're looking at, we've already talked about it, it's a small sample so far because of the situation in game one yesterday or the game the other night was a tight game but uh, I think his minutes can come down a little bit and and he can still be very effective for our team but that being said, he's an incredible athlete, he'll, he'll take everything you give him
2: <laughs> Yeah, no player's ever going to say they're playing too much <laughs> If if they told Nurse you got to play 40, he'd go out there and play 40. They're not going to complain, though. They're obviously going to limit it a bit here as they move along. All right. Yeah, 780-496-0063. Got some good texts and calls so far tonight. Have uh, more time for you if you want to check in this evening. Between 730 and 8, we'll catch up with Brad Lauer of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Had a bit of a tough outing yesterday, but still a very strong team here as we move through the WHL season. And uh, we'll look a little deeper at the Trevor Harris trade the elks quarterback now former elks quarterback sent to montreal on the weekend back after the news and weather and oh, don't forget we got special election coverage coming up at 8 it's inside sports on chad 630 chad inside sports with reed wilkins
1: weekdays at 6 on 630 chad